0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw steps up floats a bomb up the right seam looking for Anderson.
1: He's got it. They're not gonna catch him He's gonna go the distance touchdown Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson 92 yards It's a pitch six and a touchdown bell in the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for crowder 85 yards pass thrown there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he hit immediately he got the handoff you know that's <laughs> the quinater oh my gosh listen thank you
2: from the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and it's time for the mailbag, so for that of course I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and above all of that a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Christopher, how are you sir?
1: Ah, uh, you know, I'm alright, can't, can't really complain too much.
2: As the old saying goes, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. I believe it was the great Joe Walsh who said that in his song life's been good so life's been pretty good for you chris you could complain but you won't
1: yeah just for the second i won't but <laughs> no eventually
2: i will give it a few minutes with that exactly. let's jump into the mailbag where i'm sure there's going to be plenty of complaints and we will start with michael christopher he says I know the Jets probably won't go with a wide receiver, but let's say they shock us on draft night and both Judy and Lamb are on the board. Which wide receiver do you think the Jets would prefer and why? Which one do you personally like better? And pass rusher, Kieson or Espinessa, which one do you like better for the Jets? So let's start with the wide receivers. It's a tough one because I think Lamb has potential to be more of the home run hitter and Judy has potential to be more of that consistently great route runner and somebody who could be a number one receiver in the league for a really long time so either way i think you can't lose if you're picking one of these two guys i'd probably take judy but you could convince me either way. And as far as pass rushers, I just don't think Espinessa is a fit for the Jets. He's like 285 pounds. He's not going to play on the inside because they're already loaded there. So I think if you're going to pick a pass rusher, it's got to be Sun. I think I'm saying that right. It might be Sun. I'm not entirely sure. Either way, that's who the better fit is. I think Espinessa is somebody that needs to play on the interior.
1: Yeah, uh, as far as Judy and Lamb, I haven't started watching the tape on them to give a definitive answer yet. I'll have that soon. Um, I've gone back and forth m- multiple times with which one I would prefer. I think I I would probably go with Judy. I do think Adam Gase would probably prefer C.D. Lamb. Um I just think the run after the catch stuff with him would, would make that more. But I, I, the more I talk to people, I just do not see uh, Joe Douglas taking a wide receiver. Um, If he doesn't go with one of those top offensive linemen, I, I think you will probably see him go defense, which I, again, will strenuously object to, but uh, I think that's the way it would play out. Um, I cannot pronounce the LSU guys name either yet. I will learn that soon um, and definitely well before the draft. But uh, like I said, I do think it's a, a very real possibility there. Um, but I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Espinenza from, I haven't watched tape on him yet either, but from everything I've heard it, that is not somebody that is what the jets need. He's not a, a true edge he is not what the Jets have been missing. Um, Jason uh, is more in that mold of what they're looking for. Uh, Espinosa just – it doesn't make sense. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know, more of a, like another Leo-type mold. It's not uh, – oh, he's a strong player, going to do a lot on the inside, but not going to be beating guys one-on-one off the edge. He's, he's not that guy.
2: Should throw in that I agree with you. Regardless of me leaning a little bit towards Judy, I do think that Gase would probably prefer CeeDee Lamb for the reason that you said. Gase is very much a run after the catch guy. Next question comes in from Thomas Schaefer. He says, Hey boys, curious on going after Pat's offensive lineman, Thuni." Would it be wise to sign him, or is he another product of arguably the best offensive line coach in the game? I definitely could be wrong, but it seems like these Pats linemen go elsewhere and don't play to their contract. It does happen from time to time, and obviously Dante Skarnecchia, who is retiring, is one of the best offensive line coaches of all time. So certainly that helps, and he helped Trent Brown get paid a lot of money. But ultimately, I think you just have to take a look at the tape and decide what you think of Thune and his ability overall. I think Thune is somebody who's going to get paid a lot of money this offseason because teams have cash to spend, they need offensive linemen, and there aren't going to be a ton of great offensive linemen on the open market. We don't even know if Brandon Scherf is going to make it to free agency yet, for instance. So I think Thune is somebody who's going to get Probably in that ten to twelve million dollar a year range. I think he's a good guard. I don't think he's anything great, but he would be a major upgrade for the Jets. So I would be fine with the Jets paying ten to twelve million dollars for Joe Thune because if nothing else, he would represent a step in the right direction for the Jets' offensive line.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing that you're going to have to remember that again. We've been talking about this for a while, but the Jets, all five of those offensive line positions could be replaced, or you could easily make upgrades to all five of them. Now, obviously, it's not uh, easy to replace all five, but, I mean, individually. You could look at the left tackle, the left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, all individually and find replacements, whether in free agency or the draft. But they're not going to be able to do all of that um, in just the draft or just in free agency or even with a combination of those two. So you're going to have to just uh, be able to go and get the best guy you can possibly get. Uh, at, you probably need to get two offensive linemen in free agency, the best ones available and that you can possibly get. And you're probably going to have to try to draft two of them with those first four picks and those first three rounds. Um, that And then you're probably going to have to rely on bringing one guy back. That's probably the only way that you can really build some type of a semblance of a a, a upgrade over this line. Um, the, I get the concerns about Skarniecki and Patriots, uh, offensive line. Hell, I said that last year with regards to Trent Brown. Now, Trent Brown got a whole lot of money, but he went to Oakland and he played his ass off. He had a hell of a season in Oakland. Um, so that didn't happen with him. I do think Thuney is is a good uh, offensive lineman and would definitely be an upgrade. Um, so I, I I think that's somebody who would absolutely make sense. But again, you're they're going to have to get two offensive linemen, uh, starting quality offensive linemen in pre-agency. I just I don't see any way around it. So if they get two of those guys and Thuney's one of them, I then that's that's going to be a win for them. We'll have to wait until the season to see how he plays to know how much of a win it is, but it's it's really a necessity. They're going to have to do that in free agency this year.
2: Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, fellas, I know I've asked something about him before, but what do you think about Chase Claypool from Notre Dame as a day three steal? I think he could be the replacement for Quincy Inunua. I'm going to be honest. I haven't really watched enough of his tape yet. I'm going to throw this to you, Chris, because I know you're a Notre Dame fan. So, you know, Claypool pretty well.
1: Yeah. uh Yeah. This is going to be – the people around the Claypool range in this draft is going to be really interesting to watch because of just how stacked and deep and loaded this receiver class is. And then this goes back to the Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb thing. Um, I talk about this every year in draft time. The way that teams and people uh, value receivers sometimes – You want a bigger receiver, more of a possession receiver you can throw a ball up to. Sometimes people want more of the yak, uh, the speed guy. So the way people value receivers, and especially for what they need for their team that year, uh, differs so wildly. And then this this group is so stacked and so deep that there's going to be somebody – Uh, Maybe Chase Claypool goes in the third. Maybe he goes in the fourth or even the fifth just because it's so deep and maybe he just slips because the team picking just ahead values somebody else slightly different. Um, There is going to be like a third-round talent receiver that you're probably going to be able to get in the late fourth, maybe fifth round. Uh, I don't obviously know – where Claypool is going to fall in that right now, but he is somebody I like a lot. Um, I haven't started watching tape on him or any of the receivers yet, but as you point out, I do watch a lot of Notre Dame games, so I have watched a lot of him. He is somebody I really, really like. It's, uh, it's, But I don't know where, even where I'd rank him because this class is just so deep. Like He's not any of these guys that's going to be talked about in the first round um, in a normal year, I could see him probably going late second round. But uh, some there's going to be people grouped with him that might slip to the fourth or fifth round. But if the Jets can get somebody, you know, whether it's uh, and an Judy or Lamb in the first, or Van Jefferson in, in the second, and then get a Claypool or somebody around that in the fourth, that would be huge. That would be a, a a huge benefit for this team going forward. He is somebody that I definitely like. It's just really hard to be like, where is he going to go? Is he a third round pick, fourth round? Because it's just, with this class, it's just going to be impossible to predict that.
2: Next question comes in from Brian Gawiski. He says, do you think Jamal Adams rubs teammates the wrong way by thinking of himself too much? Doesn't every player want to be great and win the Super Bowl? Maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but he never talks about team goals, just his own. This isn't anti-Jamal. I love having him as a member of the Jets, just something I observed. So I can't say for certain. I'm just going to make an educated guess. Chris, you probably have some more insight on this because you're around the locker room a lot. I'm sure there are people on the Jets that are rubbed the wrong way by Jamal Adams. I think the majority of his teammates probably like him and appreciate him for what he is. But whenever you have a personality like that, it's going to get on at least some people's nerves because there are some who don't like the talking and they would prefer that he didn't talk so much about himself. I can't say for certain who that would be specifically, but it's just the human nature reaction that there are people that are going to clash with that. So that's my thoughts on it. I think that most of his teammates probably like him and appreciate him for what he is and love how great of a player and teammate he is, but I'm sure that there are some guys on the team that get annoyed by him.
1: Yeah, I mean, number one, this is a uh, just a life rule in general. There's... Nobody is 100% liked by everybody. Um, The old rule I I was always told and resonated and stuck with me is no matter what you do in life, a third of the people are going to love you, a third of the people are going to hate you, and a third of the people are going to be indifferent about you. There's just nothing you can do to avoid that. That's just how it is. Um, And then when you have a very loud personality like Jamal, of course, there's no way you can get a room full of 53 people put Jamal's personality there and there's not going to be one person who's going to be like, all right, guy, come on, we get it. But everybody in that locker room respects Jamal. They respect everything about him. Um, they respect how hard he works, the way he plays, and uh, his leadership abilities as well. Now, there I have told you this before, there is a lot, because of how much Jamal talks, there is uh, a lot of players who are just like, the uh, rolling your eyes is probably is the phrase I want to use because that has more of a negative connotation, but it's uh, yeah, that's Jamal Jamal being Jamal. We're used to it. Um, every, every single person listening to this has that one has at least one friend that maybe is a little too loud, maybe a little obnoxious at times. Uh, but you're just like, yeah, that that's him. That's who he is. And you're good with it. That's, that's what Jamal is. Uh, I don't think there's anybody who's really has a problem with it or who's sitting there like thinking he's not a good teammate. He's not about the team because he is. And I I to- totally get how it could come across, uh, uh, especially the way he, he self promotes on Twitter. And we've talked about this before, how extremely online he is. <laughs> um, but he also is one of those people who's like, He thinks that he's so good that that when he's talking about his accomplishments, the team's accomplishments will come with him. But he is very much, as much as when he's tweeting and talking, it doesn't always come across. He is a team player. Um, and And the vast majority of the locker room really likes him. There's not, even the people who might roll their eyes at him or might not be fully on board with the whole Jamal Adams experience, they know what it is. And, Listen, Jamal Adams is far from the only person in the NFL or sports that's like this. So they know they know the drill. They understand it. They've seen people like this on their team on every single level that they've played. So it's it's not anything that I could uh, imagine causing a problem. The only real problem going forward is if this team continues to be really bad. We've seen how outspoken and emotional Jamal can be. And if it continues to be just an absolute mess from everything beyond Jamal's control, then that's going to end up being a problem because Jamal is going to end up saying something about it.
2: The Jamal Adams experience sounds like the name of a really cool band, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
2: Next question comes in from Kevin Jackson, Spotty Blackman. He says, have you guys checked out the Apple TV shows? There are a couple of good ones. Also, with what we know about the wide receiver depth in the draft, should we expect to be looking for help in the middle rounds or do the first-round options provide too much value? I have not watched any of the Apple shows yet, although I am open to suggestions if there are any that you think are good. So, Kevin, let me know if there's anything that you think I should be checking out. Or, Chris, if you've seen some and there are any you want to recommend, feel free. As far as the wide receiver, yeah, I think you're looking at the Jets picking wide receivers in the middle rounds. I don't think they're going to go receiver at number 11.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going at number 11 as much as I, I would if one of those top offensive linemen there. I am fully entrenched in the position that if there's one of those top offensive linemen you'd like there, then take them. No question. But I'm also firmly entrenched if those guys are gone or if there's one left but Joe Douglas doesn't like them, then he should go re- receiver but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think if he does – I'll repeat, if I don't – I think if he doesn't get one of those offensive linemen, he would go defense in that situation. But I do absolutely – I can see, uh, you know, them grabbing a receiver in the second round, using one of the third-round picks on the receiver or the fourth-round pick on the receiver. I could see them, you know, doubling up in the third on receivers. Rounds two through four, I think there's a – a decent chance that you're going to come, they're going to come away with two receivers there. It's probably going to depend on if they bring Robbie back or not. Um, if they do bring them back, then maybe rounds two through five, I see them doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I think those rounds two through five is where you got to be looking for the receivers to come and they'll probably try to get two of them there, depending on how the board falls. I have not watched any of the Apple shows. I haven't signed up for it. So, just like you said, I was going to say, Hey, Kevin spotty, shoot me those recommendations. Cause I know the one show they had with, um, Steve Carell, Jennifer Hanson, whatever, all those people, I saw that and I was like, Oh, this might be good. But then I saw bad reviews for that. So I haven't really paid attention to anything else out there on that. I didn't even know that there was a bunch of new stuff out there. So let me know what those shows are. I will be happy to dig into them. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know. I'll be happy to dig into them. I need new shows to watch. So,
0: More than once, actually. Do
2: I have to say? Yes, you do. In
0: the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Tom Hind, and this is one that goes along with Kevin's question before it. Judy Lamb and the fourth ranked offensive tackler on the board at eleven, do you take the top wide receiver and draft lineman in the second and third rounds, or do you go for that lineman? It really depends on how you evaluate the lineman because he could be your fourth rated lineman, but you still have him rated in the top ten. If that's the case, take the lineman. If it's a situation where he's your fourth rated lineman, but by a mile, in other words, you have him rated As the number four lineman, but you think that he's really late first round, early second round value, then I wouldn't take the lineman there. I'm curious to see what happens if this type of scenario plays out, although I hope we don't see it. I would like for there to be an offensive lineman that Joe Douglas really, really likes and he just grabs him. But in this scenario, I don't think Douglas would take a wide receiver. I think he might look to trade down or perhaps take an edge rusher. But if you're asking me what I would do in this situation, if I liked the offensive lineman, then I would take the offensive lineman. If I was lukewarm on him, then I would go receiver.
1: Yeah, because this is a, a thing I've noticed that it tried. I had, you know, people just just take the offensive lineman, whichever one's there. Well, it might it's not that simple because, like, Let's say that Thomas, uh, Wharf, and Willis are gone, and then that people are saying we'll take Beckton. Well, okay, I I understand there's a lot to be excited about with Beckman, Beckman but maybe Joe Douglas is like I don't know about this guy. I, I that size, I don't know about his mobility. Maybe he doesn't like him, and if he doesn't like him, or and you can switch the names around too. But um, if he doesn't like him, then he's not going to take him. Um, and there, you know, there's a difference between. Liking a guy in the late first round or the second round and liking him at 11. So, if we're we all just seem to be assuming or people just keep seem to assume that he's going to be in love with any of these top four guys and he's just going to want to take all of them, but we don't know that there's no way for us to know that right now. Um, so it's not as simple as just being like, let's hope that one of those top four guys falls there. Um, and then there's also the possibility maybe he falls in love with the Josh Jones guy and he, he deems him worthy as 11, too. So we don't know. Um, but I, I do think if there is a guy on board that he likes there at 11, that's going to be the move. He's, he wants to take an offensive lineman there. It's just I don't know how he feels about each of the individual alignments. So if the guy he has number one is available at 11, he's 100% taking that guy. That's that's for sure.
2: Next question comes in from Adre Tranzano. He says, the Jets always seem to make a splash in free agency. I feel like this year they'll make offers to top free agents but be happy signing cheaper free agents who could contribute. Do you feel the same way or do you think they go for a few splashes? or do you think that they're going to save money and get two for the price of one? I'm sure they'll dip their toe in the waters on the big free agents. It also depends on who becomes available because we still don't know who's going to get tagged. But I do think there's a good likelihood that unless there are players that Joe Douglas really loves, he's going to focus more on what you're talking about, which is getting a little bit lower end free agents, but guys that can contribute for less money and then Jump into the draft thinking that he's Going to use his picks there to really Shore up the roster I'm sure He'll take a run at some of the higher end Guys if they're available Jack Conklin I'm sure he'll at least dip His toe in the water assuming Conklin is there As one example but I do think That there's going to be a general sense With the Jets this year that they're going to move away From the splashy go after all the high-priced guys strategy that we had seen from Tannenbaum and also from Mike McCagney. Not so much from John Idzik, but from the other two guys. That's going to be more along the lines of -of middle-of-the-pack free agents, guys like Joe Thune.
1: Yeah, I think the most likely scenario to see like big spending is on the offensive line. Again, I, I fully expect them to get at least two offensive linemen. I could see them absolutely going after... Uh, you know, one of the bigger names there and giving out a big contract to him. I think it, depending on who becomes available, I think you have to try to do that with one of the offensive linemen. Um, and that's, that's a thing out of necessity. I think in an ideal world, if uh, this whole, this roster wasn't so barren and have so many holes, especially on the offensive line, I think you would see Joe Douglas do, you know, more of the Eagles uh, Raven strategy. and in the future, I think you will see that where they're not big spenders in free agency. there he's he's gonna try to do the whole build through the draft, resign his guys and uh, you know sign middle tier free agency guys. But this year his hands are kind of tied. I do think he's gonna have to go after make a little bit of a splash there with offensive line. Outside of the offensive line, I think everything else will probably be mid to low tier uh, acquisitions. You know, maybe, maybe if Yannick Ngakwe becomes available, maybe they make a run at him. Maybe they make a run at Byron Jones, but those are really the only two guys outside of the offensive line. I could see him making those a big splash for, um, you know, I, I highly doubt Amari Cooper Is going to become available, but I don't see Him spending the money on him Even if he did, not with his injuries And to me, it just would make More sense to just resign Robbie Even if you have to overpay a little bit For him, because it's not going to be what Amari Cooper is going to command um, So I, I don't see it uh, Ngakwe and Byron Jones are the only two non-offensive Linemen I can see him splashing on And I also don't think that he will actually uh, be the highest bidder on either of those guys if they are they do become available. But again, I think his hands are tied. He needs to make at least one splash uh signing with that offensive line.
2: That's gonna wrap up part 1 of the mailbag. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for part 2. In the meantime, Check out Chris on Twitter, at CNimbly, and at Jets Insider, and read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Also, make sure to give a five-star review to this podcast, played Like a Jet, and Joe Caparrosos Turn on the Jets podcast. If you're a fan of the shows, it's an easy way to help out, it doesn't take you much time, it doesn't cost you any money, but it does a lot for us, so if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets dot com.